something of a surprise, Sean. And don't fade this all the way out. Let it roll just okay, a little bit right. here. Um, when I was younger, I grew my hair down almost to my waist. Uh, this would have been the late 80s, right around 1990. And I was certain that I was going to be in a rock band. So much so <laughs> that when the city declared eminent domain on the downtown apartment I lived in, they gave us a check for $750. Now, at 19 years of age, I'd never had $750 in one place at one time ever in my entire life. What do you think I did with that money? You smoked it. I smoked part of it. <laughs> but what I did with most of it was bought an Ibanez electric guitar. Oh! Because I was convinced that I was going to make music. I had loved music so much throughout my teenage years. I was like, well, then why not just make some, man? Sit down. Spend some time in the room. Play a guitar. Two things came to light almost immediately. One, I don't have the acumen. You've got to have the acumen. If you're, I could sing just fine. Yeah. I was part of a select choral ensemble. That's true. That's yeah, true. You've exactly. mentioned that before. Uh, I, but I, as far as playing guitar, it did not come <laughs> naturally to me. That doesn't mean you can't work past it. But my, what's the word? Diligence? Uh, quality of work? Uh, Laziness? Whatever. All those things came into play. And I realized that guitar sat there for two years before I gave it to a friend who played guitar. But... This is one of the few songs I learned how to play on the guitar because you only need to really know that one riff, and then it's just a bunch of bloop, bleep, bleep, bloop, 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 bleep, bleep, blah, blah, blah. One of the great joys of psychedelic music and the music of Pink Floyd. It's episode 198 of The Brian Oak Show. Thank you very much for listening. We do appreciate it. We're recording right now in the Smart Start MN Studios near 48th in Chicago on what is, in my humble opinion, a picture-perfect oh, autumn day. It is gorgeous outside. Not, not one cloud. No. About what? It's got to be, it can't be 60. It's got to be, what, 55? Yeah, like 57, I think. Mm, like I mean, that. just it, warm in the sun, cool in the shade, beautiful, cool, nice breeze, not raining, not snowing, not terrible, actually quite lovely. But by this time next week, it's supposed to be a high of 38 degrees. So just something to keep in mind. Make the most of these beautiful days. Make the most of every minute. And our thanks to our friends at Smart Start MN, because without them, we can't really do what we do. In fact, think about this, Sean. I, you know, again, I'm not trying to make too much or, you know, heap too much on ourselves. But 198 episodes, we have done this together 198 times. That's crazy. Which is nuts to think about when you reached out to me and I'm like, I don't know what a podcast is. I mean, I knew what a <laughs> podcast was, but I'm like, I don't know what the fuck to do a podcast. Sure, why not? I'm, I'm unemployed. I might as well do something, right? Unemployment won't last forever. And the good people at Smart Start MN jumped on board early. So again, our very sincere and long-term thanks to them. Smart Start MN is Minnesota's original ignition interlock company. If you screw up, if you fuck up royally and drink and drive, which you should never, ever, ever do. But if you do and you get popped, you're going to need to know how to get back into your vehicle sooner rather than later. That's where Smart Start MN comes in. A, they're cool guys. B, they don't mind if I drop an F-bomb in the middle of their promotional con- they er, commercial. Pref- they prefer that you do it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right. Now, don't walk into their front doors when you go to see them throwing F-bombs everywhere. 
the fuck is Ed? You know, that kind of stuff. Don't yeah, do don't that. Don't say where the fuck is Ed. Right, because he's right there. And <laughs> he, he, would la- he would actually laugh. But, he, yeah. but, but still don't do it anyway. <laughs> the point is this. They are Minnesota's original ignition interlock company. They worked with the state to help found this entire program with the judges, with the legislature. They put this together. They can get you back into your car quicker and for less money than you think might otherwise be possible. And if you go to smartstartmn.com slash Brian Oak Show, they'll get you 20% off the ignition interlock. Halloween. Installation. Oh, I should uh, say off the installation. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. True. And also offer you ways to align your lower three chakras. I don't even know where two of my chakras are. Settle down. You have seven <laughs> of them, right? <laughs> I do? Try to find at least two before you mean we the get average back. person has seven or no, I have no, seven? We all do. Oh, we all do. We're okay. all the same thing, man. Don't you get that, bro? <sighs> no, we're not. Yes, we no. are. And no. I... I'm bringing in my entire collection of Ram Dass books for you because you need to learn how to be here now. Halloween's just a couple short days away. Still haven't figured out my costume. I'm not going to panic about it because we have something better. On this beautiful Friday afternoon that we're recording this on, an artist who I have seen live... I don't know. It's hard to estimate, right? I mean, like, the 90s are fuzzy for me when I really first started to go back there a lot. I've seen Tina Schleski... As part of Teen and the B-Sides, oh. no less than, I want to say 20 times? Yeah, it's at least that for me. Probably the band I saw the most, I would say, But in it, the it 90s, could be nine, least. it yeah. could be 45. I don't really remember exactly, but I remember standing in the 400 bar back when it was still just that skinny little room. They hadn't even added the extra room over there yet, <laughs> and rocking out and being like, wow, every once in a while you know you're in the presence of something amazing, and that amazingness has continued and evolved in many different ways over the years. Tina's back in town right now, and so I'm actually, I feel very grateful that we've got some of her time because i can only imagine what it's like for her when she comes back to town all the people who are like well, you're back in i didn't get a call i, I didn't hey, get a message hey but the, she, what, you're back in town well she is <laughs> she just did a great show at the dakota the other night and she's got a couple coming up this weekend at the aster we're going to talk to her just ahead but first i have had this artist on the brain for the last year now i've mm-hmm. always been a fan but I've, I've done a little deeper dive on Susie quattro over the last year in particular made sure that i've acquired her entire collection because i'm something of a music dork like that and i just she's one of the most interesting and important figures in 70s rock to me because even though rock is still largely a boys club even though things have changed a lot over the years early on she's like why can't i be the sexual aggressor why can't i be the alpha in the rock situation why can't i melt your damn face and just do it right now and i'm like there's not a good answer i'm so glad you just said rock influences and not female rock influences because she fucking brought it it just didn't matter we talked on the last show about fanny right i mean like fanny is a band that it didn't matter that they were all women because uh, but unfortunately it is still a factor because especially when it's an all-woman band it still feels like there's that novelty factor no so Susie had a bunch of guys behind her but there was no question who was in charge and there was no question whether you want to say male female anything Susie Quattro is rock and roll, and in the 70s, nobody rocked a spangly jumpsuit better than she did. Here's Susie (laughs) Quattro on The Brian Oak Show. Wherever I go, I wear my jeans too tight. 
You know what? My mom's pretty cool. I bet my mom would have liked Susie Quattro. Judy. Even back in the 70s. Judy's great. She really is. I'm lucky enough to have been blessed with one of the best moms that ever happened to be out there. I am Brian Oak. It is The Brian Oak Show, episode 198. I want to introduce our next guest, someone who I have known and known of and been able to interact with before, have seen live I'm going to say, I'm just going with dozens of times. I honestly can't remember the actual number, but I feel no matter how I introduce her, it's going to be damning her with faint praise because this is someone who is so beloved, one of our own, right? And Minnesotans are extremely provincial, yes. right? If you are from here, you are automatically loved. I don't care what you've done. Your, <laughs> your crimes are negligible, okay? Not saying that she's done any, but Tina Schleski is a mainstay from the upper Midwest. There's no question about that. I don't think there's a person listening right now who hasn't heard of Tina and the B-Sides or Tina and the B-Side movement, who probably has also not, you know, continued to follow along with your career, whether or not it was as constant as it was back then with Tina and the B-Sides. These days, you're hanging out in California, but I will tell you this, my favorite thing and the thing I'm most excited about is I like to 
we've talked about this on the show many times, Sean. Yeah. Um, the thing I like, whether I'm talking about a colleague in business or a friend or a musician I go to see, I like to believe it, right? I like to be told a story where I can feel the truth. And I'm not even talking about the quality of lyrics. Mm-hmm. I like to have that experience where I feel like this is genuine. This is happening. There's a real thing evolving in front of my face. And her voice alone is one of the purest and strongest and mm-hmm. most interesting I've ever heard. No lie. And I'm not saying it just because you're sitting here. I'd saying it, I would be saying it even if you were back home in Santa Barbara. Tina Schleski is our guest today. Hi, Tina. How are you? Oh, hi, Brian. Hi. Thank you so much. My gosh, my, my head and my heart is like going to explode. So. Thank you for that. You've been at this for a long time. And again, you know, you know, you know the gifts that you bring to the table, which is why you've done what you do your entire adult life, more or less. I have to imagine. I mean, we all had some shit job at some point. I folded (laughs) sweaters at Benetton before I figured out what I wanted to be. I was I was Chuck E. Cheese at the Chuck E. Cheese in Burnsville Center. So go on. Like you were inside that outfit. I, I was. I mean, I graduated from I used to do the hand puppet as the families would come in. I'm not kidding. That was, Oh my God. I, I thought I was slowly dying inside. <laughs> I was just with my plastic orange bolo hat and my brown polyester pants. <laughs> I'm not kidding. And then finally, like the only closest thing to entertaining was like the guy that normally dressed up as Chucky was sick. And they're like, who wants to do it? I'm like, I'll do it. I want to do it. Anything to get away from anything, this puppet. Anything to get away from the hand puppet. And just and to just entertain. And of course, I get escorted out there. And they're like, no matter what you do, don't talk. Because the kids, like, they'll be on you. Just don't oh, talk. Yeah, right. And just, you, you have to... You know, do this with your nose. That's Chucky's move. Okay. And, oh, like rubbing his finger along yeah, his nose? and I didn't like, know Like, give me how, another bump. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, I mean, maybe. Probably. <laughs> Come on, Chucky. <laughs> and, but I kept missing his nose and hitting the cheek. Uh-huh. And, and I didn't know, like, how big that was, you know, protruding. And I hit this kid in the head, and I'm like, oh, sorry. And all of a sudden, all the kids, Chucky's a girl, Chucky's a girl. And they all had to rush me back in the back again, and so I never got to be Chucky oh, again. Man. You're one opportunity to blossom as, I know. as a young pantomimer, if I you know. will. And it exactly. was over before it began. Yep. That's yep. one of my favorite stories I've ever heard in my entire <laughs> life. Tina, you're back in town right now, but before we talk about what you're up to, being back in town, how life in California is how are you you good post pandemic do you feel like a human being yeah you know i am but i've been talking to other friends i feel very socially awkward now i mean after almost two years of not really you know talking to people and i thought i can't wait i can't wait to play live again i can't wait to be around my people my friends my family and now it's slowly you know opening up and now i'm like can we go back to lockdown? What if we just have little bits of reopening <laughs> right. just a and, and go back to like a month of lockdown? Is that exactly. okay? I just carry a big timer with me. I'm like, okay, <laughs> we're done. Well, <laughs> hey, that was great, everybody. Um, no, it is. It, 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 no one could have seen pandemic and lockdown coming, right? Yeah. And no one could have guessed what those impacts would be. And we probably still don't know the full long-term impacts of what that's like, or we don't know. I mean, I know in California and even here that we're not going back to it, right? I mean, nothing is complete, but no one could have seen that coming. But I mean, lockdown was a weird animal and you are a social creature in the sense that you, the trade you ply puts you in front of people, puts you in small rooms, put you, puts you in intimate contact where there is a musical exchange an emotional exchange. And that went away for, at least a year and probably longer for you, right? I mean, was there any sort of 
lingering emotional impact or or change that you felt in your head or your heart as a result of not being able to do what you do for that long? Uh, you know, that's such a great question. I Yeah, I, I really, I, I, you know, I feel like I took a lot of things for granted, like most people do. When things get taken away, all of a sudden you realize what you had. And that is probably first and foremost. I, I definitely felt that. And, you know, and how important human action, human reaction to what we do as musicians is so important. I mean, I've always, you know, th- those artists that the ones that just sit there in their room all by themselves and create these masterpieces. And, I, you know, I fantasize about that, but that's so not me. You know, I am, I am, you know, so much more of a social creature in the sense of like with my art, I need that feedback. I need to know, you know, that I'm doing my job by making people feel good and that makes me feel good and just trying to make the world a little bit better you know as as corny as that is but it's not corny even if it's not making the world better giving the everyday drudgery a lift an hour and a half break a time away a brief portable affordable vacation what musicians do is save the rest of us who are not able to create that music and those of us who are fans you are transporting people and suddenly that's not allowed and you bring up, I, I thought, a very interesting point in that we've had so many musicians on this show over the... I mean, we started this basically at the birth of the pandemic, right? Mm. This particular podcast. And, you know, it would seem like, as you just said, hiding away in your room, creating the masterpiece, a pandemic, nothing could be greater for the artist. The number of people who were like, no, I was dead inside. I didn't write one goddamn thing yeah. for a year. I mean, it it was haunting for everybody. Yeah. It's terrible. Are you starting to feel better? Do you feel like you're popping back out? I am. I, I do. And I'm just getting, you know, well, I also experienced another big fear that in a depression that I wasn't really ready for was that I felt, you know, at my particular tender age of, you know, almost I'll be 55 next to Next week or November 10th. So. I'm right on your okay. tail. I'm oh. right behind you. Wow. See, there you go. Double nickels are they're starting to happen. <laughs> well, see, again, I'm 53, so I'm, I can see you in the future. <laughs> However, what I don't like is, as I said, when you first sat down, I, California must be agreeing with you because you look fantastic. There's oh a brightness gosh. to your eye. Like, are you doing something weird? Vegan? Keto? Something? <laughs> a no, vegan keto. I'm not. But, you know, it could have been because I did. I love when I come here. I love the fall. I love. Mm-hmm. So I did my walk run around Lake Nokomis and just, you know, listen to my podcast that I was just telling you about. And, yeah, yeah, and okay. just, you know, uh, just, and it makes, you know, it, I don't know, maybe that's the, the brightness where it's called. I just, you know, feel good. Clean living. Yeah, clean living. In love. Not really. California, that yeah, whole thing. Yeah, I get it. I get yeah. it. Before we continue to talk about you, where you're from, what you're doing, I know you were in town to do that show at the Dakota. You got a couple at the Astor this weekend, and we will talk about it. Let's hear some music. I don't like to go too long into the podcast without hearing some. Now, I know you're sitting there with the guitar in your hand, but we're also poised to play something off of Spotify. I'm going to leave the choice up to you. You want to play something or should we listen to this? Um, yeah, let's um, let's listen to one of the songs that I brought in that. Yeah, All right, for tell sure. me about this one. Why are we playing it? And, and tell me about the song. Okay. Um, well, um, so Heart of Mine is a song of mine that I just released. It, it, um, again, at my tender older age, there was a friend of mine that started this record label in Santa Barbara. And his whole goal was because he knew so many great musicians and there are amazing musicians on this record that he just wanted to have a place to bring back a sense of community a sense of artists it's not about the 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 most youngest you know hippest whatever it's Mm -hmm. it's it's it kind of goes all over the board about artists and and singer songwriters and 
he really feels like there's this style of music out there in California called Cali Americana. And, um, I mean, I was kind of, I'm like, you, you know, I'm from Minnesota, right? <laughs> right? You, you know, I'm from Minnesota, right? Minnesota. Oh. <laughs> and, uh, but he's like, you know what? He goes, Tina, it's not about that. It's just about, you know, the artists that live here now and create music and, and um, he goes, I, I really want you to be part of it. And I was like, I've already been down this path. I have no intention of getting signed again. But it's, not, it's you know, record deals are so different now, especially independent mm-hmm. ones. So mm-hmm. it's not signing my life away and my firstborn and my first pet and all that kind of stuff. It's <laughs> just, you know, hopefully getting my music out there to a larger, larger audience, you know, as always. And, and so this is one of my original songs that I did that I released on this record. I want to tell you something.
You know, if I didn't know better, I would say that Tina Schleski is mellowing with age because that was beautiful. It was a great <laughs> song. But, you know, I mean, it was it was soothing. It was nice. It was wonderful. It was a love song. I love love songs. But I also know within recent years, she's had a in your face band called <laughs> Genital Panic. And Genital Panic might be one of the greatest band names I've ever heard in my entire life. I grew up in the 80s when hardcore really erupted. Mm. And there were great band names. Genital Panic is... Well, I mean, A, of the time, to say the very least, right? Yeah. I mean, people freaking out about everything all the time. Yep. And a lot of it can be boiled down to what's going on downstairs in the swimsuit area. So, it's so <laughs> <true>. <laughs> That's right. I mean, people, people uh. really need to relax. <laughs> but genital panic is what it is. Uh. We'll get to that in a minute. I do have to back out one more sponsor <laughs> real quick I'm going to use that in their tagline. <laughs> yeah. Dude, genital panic is such a brilliant, brilliant band. Because yeah. it's it, in two short but powerful words that are beautifully placed next to each other yes it says so so very much not only about the content of the band perhaps the inspiration of the band but definitely a, a, a commentary about the world that we live in and jesus fucking christ if everyone could just settle down for two seconds <laughs> yeah i mean right yep Oh. Yeah, we'll, we'll be back to genital panic in just a moment. But first, <laughs> Forgotten Star Brewing. Forgotten Star Brewing, the most recent addition to supporting the Brian Oak Show podcast. And our thanks to them because, A, they're great guys over there. They have an incredible place. The the market, not unlike podcasts, is glutted with brew houses, right, and craft beer places yeah. and things like that. So they, instead of trying to make things fancier and weirder and more ostentatious than ever before, simply have created this incredibly comfortable space in a beautiful old World War II manufacturing facility right next to the train tracks. They've got indoors. They've got outdoors. They have all kinds of beers, but nothing arted to death. You know what I mean? Yeah, and no, it's just... I mean, Tina, you're from California. You know what I mean when I say something is arted to death? Uh, yes. We don't need to have extruded cucumber foam in no. everything, do we? <laughs> no. Okay, exactly. And no. so that's their philosophy <laughs> over there. Uh, they're good guys. they got a big comedy uh, festival coming up here in the not-too-distant future. Forgottenstarbrewing.com. And if you're a dog person, they are dog-friendly indoors and out. And the weather's going to hold for a little bit longer. It's going to get chillier. But we might be there for a special outdoor thing in the not too distant future we might have a two-year anniversary event there. two years Unreal. wow how have i put up with you for that long it's really <laughs> i thought for sure you'd be gone in the like at least the first two weeks yeah well a... somehow here we are episode 198 of the brian oak show tina schleski tina you um pulled up stakes at some point and made your way out west to california i know that you didn't turn your back on the midwest but no. what, what brought you out to california um, you know, the first time it, it brought, you know, the, my, um, my, my youth and my, uh, thinking, okay, now I want to go more in a, in a bigger pond, mm -hmm. as they say. Mm -hmm. And now, you know, the band got signed and I thought, well, that's what you do, right? You move out West or yeah. you move out to New York or LA or something because you need to be near the record label and all that. And I just was, you know, again, sadly mistaken with that. I didn't need to do that, but I'm glad I did. Right. Um, I, I was in a relationship with a woman very briefly while out there. And then when we broke up, then I came back and 
Um, and then, of course, then the band broke up, and then I'm selling everything, and then I'm <laughs> driving around in my Jeep with my acoustic guitar just trying to pay the tax man. I mean, it was, yeah. But, I mean, you know, that's huge, right? Yeah. I mean, like, life changes. Like, so you got signed in the 90s, like so many bands did. Yeah. And then there's that incredible disillusion of, unless you've, you're an A&R person or your rep is on it with it every single day, heaven forbid that person get fired, which happens all the time yep. in that industry, all of a sudden you are rudderless. You don't have a tether. You don't have an anchor. And all of a sudden, like you said, relationship ends, band breaks up. You're literally, your life goes 180 degrees. I mean, did you did you cope okay with that? Did things go all right? Yeah, I did. I think the hardest thing to cope with was, you know, I was such um, a student of music in every degree. When I worked at, you know, I worked at Midland Records at Burnsville Center. I worked at um, um, at um, Navarre Distribution, and I got to deliver records. I got to be an independent record buyer. I wanted to learn every aspect of the music business, and I read so many books, and I was so fortunate that our band got signed by Seymour Stein, and so to have like one of the old, you know, record men like sign you and I thought this is it, you know, it's going to happen just like it does in the movies and these books. And then, you know, you pull back the curtain. It's like it's not that at all. I mean, it was right. I just thought like I worked, you know, my ass off with the band for 10 years. We worked so fucking mm-hmm. hard. And then all of a sudden thinking, OK, now I can kind of rest. Now the people that know what they're doing will take over. And that never fucking happened is this bunch of fucking college students interns uh-huh. that yeah. just they just want free tickets and they mm-hmm. want free promos and it's just like oh I, my god i need to get out of here and, and it was so disheartening oh. and see that's the the number of times i've heard that story of disillusionment now the one good thing i would say despite all the personal sacrifices that artists like you and many others have had to make is we've seen sort of a fracturing right there is still the the shining firmament of the old faded glory of the old record industry but what we did watch evolve in the 90s and into the 2000s was the emergence of this mid-tier of mid-level labels who would give people utter creative control they would print they would distribute they would maybe be able to help you book tours but artists suddenly were given a little if not a lot more freedom and more of a voice it seemed to become more artist friendly after sort of the you know the collapse in the late 90s and early 2000s and i think that that's been good for a lot of artists but also now with the proliferation of everything internet and otherwise if you want to put your music out there, you can put it out there anytime. You don't need anybody. You right. need about $400 worth of equipment at your house, and you can do just about anything you want to do, which is, I mean, do you like that? That's kind of liberating, right? Yeah, I do like it. I mean, I feel I'm just born in such a weird time. I mean, when I was really little, I couldn't wait to make a 45 or yeah. a long play album, you uh-huh. know, and, yeah. and then all of a sudden CDs came and then CDs and then it was MP3s and then it was the internet. And then, you know, I used to do my mailers and cut them out and do them at Kinko's. And then all of a sudden now it's the email and it's the internet and it's MySpace and then it's Facebook. And then, you know, uh-huh. and I was constantly trying to educate myself. I mean, I even took a course at um, the Berkeley School of Music. You know, they had an online course of learning mm. about how to self-promote and, you know, find your niche, find your tribe, you know, all those, right? all yeah. those, you know, those words yeah. that you need to use. Marketing jargon. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Wait and, a minute, um, Sean, do we have an influencer in the studio right now? Is that what's happening? <laughs> we're going to, we're going to go ahead and pivot right now. And shift that paradigm. Influencer. I understand. I under, the paradigm is shifting. Yeah, Let's be is. very clear about that. <laughs> well, I never thought Tina would bring this back from Santa Barbara. <laughs> yeah. Hey, speaking of, it's, I mean, you have to do all that to stay alive, right? 
right? Yeah. And, to, and to stay vital. I want to ask you about Santa Barbara because I think most people think, oh, I'm moving out to L.A. I'm going to be a rock star. Much like New York, almost nobody who lives in either L.A. or New York is from either of those two places. Right. It's where people go because they have ambition. They have dreams. They have stars in their eyes. And they think this is where I'm going to go and make this thing happen. But Santa Barbara is a different, what little I know about it, is mm-hmm. a different animal than Los Angeles. You're further south, right? Um, f- uh, further north. Oh, a little further north. A little All right. further north, so, yep. but, but I mean, like, you, it, it couldn't be less like L.A., right? I mean, like, I've heard people call it the Californian Mediterranean. Yeah. It's this it's a cool little beautiful yeah. coastal town. Yeah. It's lovely. Of course, the beaches are wonderful. Mm-hmm. You're still in this virtually tropical weather down there. But the vibe of the city itself is di- it's significantly different than L.A., right? Oh, my gosh. You know, like I was saying earlier, I when I lived in um, Marina del Rey, del Rey, but, uh, you know, when I was younger, I used to call it Venice because Venice was right next to it. And Venice <laughs> yeah. was so much cooler. Yeah. But, much but cooler. But I, I was so nervous not that cool to live i was <laughs> marina del rey and uh so but i just the 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 soullessness of i mean mm. i just was not i mean talk about like transplanting a minnesota girl in the middle of la it's just it just felt like you know you'd walk into a room and people just like look who's that and then they'd realize that you're nobody and then the look that you got of being a nobody just your self-esteem and everything uh. i just you know, and I didn't, nobody really knew anybody. So the difference, like Santa Barbara, what I loved about moving there, because I fell in love and my girlfriend and I, who are we still together, 20, 21, 22 wow. years now. We've Congratulations. Got, thank That's you. Wow. And, and yeah. she's from the UK. So it was the easiest place for, you know, she was familiar with that and it was a great place to raise our kids and everything. And, um, so that's where we ended up. And, but what I loved about it right away is that, you know, you'd know your, your garbage man, your mailman, yeah. you'd go to the same post office and you'd know them. And so it had that real super small town feel that I felt really comfortable with and and i which really by the liked. way is very minnesotan uh even though you're in glorious yeah. beautiful sunny <laughs> yeah. california right but yeah. i think those are values that people i think from anywhere can appreciate right yeah la i love to visit yes. new york i love to visit yeah. the thought of ever living there is anathema to my central frame of, of mind i did it, it like you said all of a sudden people would be like oh you're nobody and they don't have time yeah, for you they, because yeah. it, it, it's a city founded on ambition right yeah there's nothing wrong with being ambitious there's nothing wrong with being successful in my humble opinion but man if that's the only thing i mean you're having a great family and you live in santa barbara yeah. and you've got gorgeous weather most of the year santa barbara doesn't burn like altadena does it i mean like are you guys on fire you every know year? what we do like unfortunately the, we we do have had really bad wildfires well, and i'm not trying to make light of it but i got friends who live in altadena and i went out to visit them once and watching, you know, because it's up the hill from Pasadena, and I I watched the mountains in a hundred degree angle on fire. Yeah, and it, it, I mean, it's terrifying. It is terrifying. I mean, and I don't know if you guys heard, you probably didn't, but there was a couple of years ago there was it was called the debris flow that happened in Santa Barbara, hmm. and it was due to we had this freakish. Well, there's always a drought happening, and then we had this really this wildfire that just burned all the hills around Santa Barbara because mm. you know it's nestled. It's sort of like right behind all of the the. the the backdrop is all these beautiful mountains in right. Santa Barbara. And so they all burned. And then we had this 
really bizarre, um, I forget what they call it, but it's like a dump of rain. And in the middle of the night, we, we had like, I don't know, like like 10 inches in five minutes. Wow. It was like this crazy, it was literally like somebody just... <laughs> like, like a movie set? Like yeah, just pouring like, water. Like a, like a bomb tornado except of rain. So right on the heels of yes. this huge fire, yes. you get a, a literal flood. Yep. And then the, it just, everything boulders, trees, like stories mm. of, of like what had happened yet yeah, three in the morning of, there was a good friend of ours that he lived, I mean, it happened right in the back of our house. I mean, we were, mm. thank goodness we were up on a hill, so we didn't get affected. Like, but houses, whole houses were taken away. Huge trees and boulders mm. come down from the mountain. And I think uh, 28 people perished and... Oh. Yeah, Gosh. it was it was really bad and they're still like rebuilding um but yeah so that's that's the you know the payoff of living there it's like this is fire season so everybody is it's so funny cuz there was that one that there was um Rincon that was just right um a little further north from Santa Barbara uh-huh. but then you kind of smell and you see the ash and it's oh, just yeah. like everybody gets all jumpy mm-hmm. and, and you know and the sunsets are a little more red than they oh, usually yeah. are and yeah yeah no I mean I mean that's why I ask I have good good dear lifelong loving friends in California who it's just part of if you're going to go out there it's part of the deal yeah. plus the San Andreas so I mean at yes. some point you're just going into the water you <laughs> yeah. know that right yes <laughs> I hopefully hope that, I'll be long gone by same, then same same I hope that's, <laughs> that's why she's exactly that's why she's wearing thing. she always wears those floaties that she has in her arms. Right now. <laughs> <laughs> Just always has them on. Is our guest. And before we get to the next song that you picked, because you picked literally one of the the goats, the greatest of all time. Mm. Uh, before we do that, though, let's go ahead and talk to Sean. Sean, you are a realtor for Edina Realty, 50th in France location. House tricks. It's uh, balancing out, which is really good. So, you know, it was weird before when it was a seller's market because people just didn't know what to think. They thought they were going to get way more for their houses than they probably were. And on the buy side, they thought they were going to get hosed. So I'm glad it's back to a balanced market. Uh, If you know somebody that's looking to buy or sell, have them call me, 612-859-2594. And I donate a portion of every buy and sell to a local musician. So... You get to choose who the musician is. However, I've had a couple of people go, I have no idea. So I have a list of local musicians that would love a donation. So I only missed one part of that is, is hosed a technical realty term? It is actually. Okay. All right. I just, yeah. Yeah. Hosed is part of the, I think that that could be the next genital panic song. I don't know. (laughs) Exactly. We need, we need like an adjective before hosed. (laughs) What's your number one more time? 612-859-2594. That number is also textable. Before we dive into the majesty of the next artist that you've chosen, um, as an artist yourself, obviously your your feelings, your thoughts, you're well, like any human being, right? You're going to change as you get older. You're going to feel different things. But, you know, to hit, dare I use these two cursed words, middle age, and be like, I'm doing a fucking punk rock band. All right. That's, I'm doing a punk. I love it. But, I mean, it's not necessarily common. Where did genital panic come from? It Well, it came from a, a genital panic. I mean, oh. it, it literally, I mean, I was... You know, feeling, um, again, somewhat lost, like, you know, not being, I think when you're a woman in the music business, as you know, it's like, you've got to be young, you've got to have the tits, you've got to have the everything, you know, Uh I think it's, you know, and having said that, things have changed a lot, you know, but, you know, a few years ago, I was still feeling quite lost, you know, feeling like, you know, what, and I, I'm, I'm not feeling relevant, you know, it's like, I'm not even, I think I would get so jealous of a lot of male 
um, artists that, you know, like a Bob Dylan type that they can, they can write about their midlife crisis and mm-hmm. things and people just think, Oh my God, that's great. But nobody really wants to hear a woman talk about like their menopause and stuff. <laughs> and so I felt like this is, you know, all of a sudden we were at the, we were in New York, we were visiting, um, the, a museum and there was this artist called Valley Export that had this, um, this photo that that was this woman with a flower and a machine gun with crotchless pants and it was called genital panic action pants and i thought this is what i want to do <laughs> and and i so i basically just did this you know punk rock album just getting all that anger and frustration about menopause getting older be, being invisible um and you know and then of course our our president that he shall not be mentioned was yeah. also in office at that time. And so I had a lot of anger and things to pull from and, and it, and it, you know, once again, using music to heal is the best thing, even for myself. You know, I know for people that love music, they use it to heal them. And for me, just giving my sense of like, you know, just not getting all, you know, fucked in the head about all that stuff, you know, but yeah, so that, that helped. That's what was the inspiration behind that. I was blown away that during the, he who must not be named administration, uh, the tangerine turd, whatever you want. Fuck Donald Trump. I hate that fucker. I hope he dies in a fire. Um, anyway, uh, I was surprised. I mean, given the birth of punk rock, right? I mean, it came about in the 70s, really, if you talk about it stylistically and sound and whatever. But it seemed to get a really sort of nasty edge to it in America during the 80s and during things like the Reagan administration, right? right? And so I was really stunned that there wasn't more. I'm glad that you did, but I was a little stunned there wasn't more of a musical and cultural reaction. Of course, people were resisting and kicking against the establishment the entire time and saying, this guy's a monster, but they seemed content to just put a paragraph on Facebook or somewhere on social media or their blog and let it lie right there. Like I expected there to Mm -hmm. be more, you know, and and as much as the right would like to believe that Antifa is a thing, it's not, it's not a thing. There's not an actual organization. There are people who will rage against the machine, but I expected more voices to come out against tyranny during that time. I was a little disappointed that there wasn't a little more because I don't know how to do that. You know, yeah. so I, I rely on the artist. I, yeah. I, you know, I rely yeah. on their muse. I, I agree, too, Brian. I thought the same thing. I mean, that's where also because I was sitting in the basement with, you know, with that song that we had just played of mine, that heart of mine, that when I wrote it with my friend Patrick Tanner. Well, I wrote the song, but Patrick helped me record it and produce it and whatnot. He we were just sitting around. That exact conversation, all this in between takes where, you know, we're bitching about Mm. Trump and we're bitching about the world and like, where are the, where are they? Where are the people that, and then I'm like, you know, fuck it. I'm just going to do it too, because I'm just going to, you know, have my say about this because I don't understand. And I don't, you know, I, I feel like there's a correlation between, you know, the people I think in this country that they speak their mind really truthfully they end up getting shot or, or something happens, yes. you know, and I feel like through the years, like John Lennon being an artist that was very outspoken against mm-hmm. our government, against, you know, world issues and things like that. And then I'm not saying that, you know, it was directly related to his political or, you know, his beliefs that he was fighting for. But, you know, it puts you out there in a little bit more of an, a bigger arena that and I feel like just all of, you know, heroes in the past that have been murdered or or, you know, taken out in some way, shape or form has made, I think, a lot of artists like a little, like, well, I don't mm-hmm. want to say it. Why don't you say it? No, I don't want to say it. You, you put yourself out there because right. there's such a, you know, a price to pay for it. Well, and in the backlash that time around, I mean, when you t- when you think about the people who are the most ardent supporters of our previous president, they were violent. And yeah. they, 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 weren't, they weren't trafficking in any sort of reality. And so it probably was significantly more dangerous than yeah. it ever had been to speak 
truth to power, right? Yeah. I mean, like a, a scary time to do that sort yeah. of thing. And but look not, at the Dixie Chicks. Like, what oh about God. that oh, example? Yeah. Oh, you know my what God. I mean? Yeah, exactly. Even that wasn't even Trump. That was just yeah. Bush. And like, what yeah. happened to them was mm-hmm. disgusting. I yeah, mean, I'm sorry. Monstrous. It's, it's just... Uh, I love country music and everything like that, but I thought, you know, shame on you guys, man. That is just, that is well, that and then, bullshit. And then they reversed, but a little too late. Well, it's kind of like the NFL with Colin Kaepernick. He took a knee because yeah. of police violence, completely blacklisted from the NFL. Now you can't watch an NFL game without Black Lives Matter being plastered everywhere, but there's always going to be sacrificial lambs, right? Yeah. When, yeah. The, uh, when the George Floyd thing happened and he was murdered, I brought my mom down in a wheelchair down to... Uh, 30th in Chicago, Mm -hmm. 10 blocks uh, that way. And my mom protested in the 60s, you know, for civil Mm -hmm. rights and women's rights and everything else. And she just was tears streaming down her face. She said, I can't believe we're here. Yeah. I can't believe we're here. Still. Still. Yeah. She's like, where is everybody? Yeah, I know. Yeah, I was, I found, I just, I visited... Um, you know, the first time that came back to Minnesota after the pandemic mm. and I, because uh, good friends of mine, uh, cause I don't, I, when I'm here in Minnesota, I stay with them and they live, you know, right up the street. Yeah, so, and they're yeah. literally two blocks from, um, where that had happened. Mm. And so I went there and I couldn't, I was so uh, just emotional. Like you're just overcome. Like if anybody, mm-hmm. I just recommend just go there to, to feel what it's like to be human. Cause you need to be human. Cause like what the news shows you and everything. And like what people don't understand, yep. you go there and you understand what had happened, you and know, just and sit silently and, and be in the space. Yeah. Well, and I mean, watch, watch the regular people who live in the neighborhood walking by. The only difference is on that very crucial, important day at that incredible juncture in time and space. An innocent man was murdered in broad daylight. And so, I mean, that's that's hard to get your head around, you know, and no matter what, if you're a blue lives matter, all lives matter, black lives matter person, it doesn't matter. It's regular day to day humanity. And literally 10 blocks from where we're sitting right now became ground zero for something that literally rippled around the world. So that doesn't make it okay that it went down, but every incremental step we take, as long as we don't continue to slide backwards, is an important step. So I couldn't agree more. Go there. Walk around 38th in Chicago. They've removed a lot of the stuff. You can drive through there again, but there's still a lot going on there, and and it's important. And speaking of cultural change, I recently watched a documentary. I took myself to a movie. You ever go out to eat or to a movie by yourself? I haven't in a long time. So I, I I don't make a habit out of it, but for whatever reason, my wife was out of town, my daughter was working, I was bored. I'm like, I'm taking myself to a movie. So I went to see the documentary Summer of Soul, which <laughs> was about the, I don't know, eight or nine weekend long thing in um, Harlem, mm-hmm. where it was the same summer as Woodstock. It happened over the course of a bunch of different weekends, and... It was all, I mean, like Nina Simone, or right? I mean, like uh-huh. all the great voices of the era. The opening scene, spoiler alert, is Stevie Wonder playing drums. Didn't yeah, know he could no play idea drums. Before that. Yeah, like, I, how the hell? But how, yeah. but how the hell did that footage sit in someone's basement for 50 years and we've no never idea. seen it before? I know. It was brilliant, and it leads to the next song you've chosen. We've gone way too long without another song. <laughs> so tell me, I mean, asking you to explain why you're playing one of the greatest American vocalists of all time is silly, but why did you pick her? Well, I think it's what you were saying earlier, like, you know, you with music, you can just keep digging and, and you just learn, like, there's so much out there. And this Aretha Franklin, for me, represented, I remember my sister went off to college. My mom played so much music, like all different kinds of genres from classical to country to, to rock to whatever. My sister came home with a, with a soul, with this tape, with an Aretha Franklin. And I remember listening to it in my mind. I was just 
like, you know, blown away. And I still, when I listen to her, it just, because it brings me back that memory of like just the newness of like discovering something that you've just never heard before. And I just, and she is, she's the original. I mean, it's like, you know, yeah, there was soul music out there, but I'd never heard it like that, you know, just, and it still brings me to, to my knees, especially this song is one of my all time favorites that I want them to, to play while the morphine drip is like getting more and more in my veins as I just slip away from this world. This is the song I want them to play. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. <laughs> all right.
Yeah, she's all right. It's got a lot of potential. Aretha Franklin, I think so. Keep your eyes out on this amazing young soul artist, Aretha Franklin. It is the Brian Oak Show. It's also supported by our good friends over at Palmer's Bar, located on the West Bank. The West Bank, a long and storied history. In fact, the first time I ever saw Tina and the B-Side movement was at the old 400 bar when it was still this little tiny sliver of a room. They hadn't bought the place next door. They hadn't banged it out. So, I mean, you're on a stage with four or five people that's maybe made for two people. Yep. That stage was so tiny. Oh, yeah. But you owned the whole place. I mean, and it was a fun place to go see a show. It, you could get, it was compact, so it would often be a little uncomfortable, maybe difficult to get a drink. But you reached that important critical mass of a live show. Do you look back at those days fondly? Oh, my gosh, yeah. I mean, you know, and that was one of the things that I felt so, I mean, when we were first, you know, coming up. And I remember, you know, we, they didn't really quite know where to put us, you know, it, and we had become, you know, somewhat having a following at the Loring Bar, like a lot of, you know, the gay community were really embracing us. And, and, and then we were getting bigger and bigger and we wanted to play other places, but it was back then only blues bands played, um, you know, the, 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 the five corners and then mm-hmm, only right. like, um, certain bands played bunkers, certain bands played, you know, um, you know, seven corners, certain bands caboose, only played the 400 yeah. caboose. Whiskey, and, whatever. Yeah, yeah. And, and I just felt like, you know what? All of a sudden, like, I, I'm just going to like, let's, I want to play every bar. Uh-huh. Let's play every bar and we'll like find a way. And, and when we got into the 400 bar, it was because that's another rice's right. Back then, that was like a rites of passage. Absolutely. You know? And that was just like, I thought, this is so cool. Yeah. Like, this is so yeah. cool. I was like, but Tina, what about the stage? I don't care about the fucking stage. We'll make it work. <laughs> <We're playing." laughs> I mean, but that was a tiny ass stage. Yeah, yeah, it really was. Did you yeah. ever play anywhere back in the early days um, that, you know, I mean, because obviously the reception was great and your band was wildly talented. I saw them many, many times. Your voice is a force of nature. So people are going to enjoy the music. But that doesn't mean that every gig is going to be a dream gig, which I'm sure I don't need to tell you. Did you ever play somewhere where you're like, oh, that was a mistake. We're not going back there. Oh, God. Yeah. I mean, yeah, quite a few. I remember there was this one place in in uh, in uh, in New York, upper up, upper state New York, mm-hmm. and it wasn't Nietzsche's because I think that was like the cool bar to play, if I'm correct about that, in Buffalo. And it was this other bar that, I, you know, it's probably it's the only time in my life that when we went in there and I just knew like we're not going to get paid and this is just going to be bad because it was like all like goth like really and I'm like oh. and I I feel like I can hold my old in pretty much any bar and I'll make yeah. it work yeah. right yeah. any genre whatever but goth was just something like I don't think I want to go because like the woman that was taking the tickets scared the shit out of me and also I'm like you guys let's just go get drunk and then so we just never even showed up I'm just wow. like. Oh, that was the only time. We got to go. Yeah, we got to go. go. We got to get out of here. So you you are in town right now. You came back to do uh, a thing that you've been doing for a number of years now, which is more of your, I feel like it's damning it with faint praise to call it a lounge act because I know the breadth and depth of your ability. But for you to move into torch songs, you know, I mean, Sinatra to Simone, right? I mean, and we're talking by Frank to Nina right there, right? And so you're doing these exceptionally iconic songs that well frankly i mean to me it's very it's very gutsy because you're talking about songs with not only a gigantic legacy but songs that have already been visited with such nuance Mm. power intelligence emotion 
I mean, is it intimidating when you do it, or does it just feel natural? Oh my gosh, the 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 quantity of depends that I've been through <laughs> while doing these shows are you know talk about maybe that could be a new sponsor wow. for your. I wow. mean, I'm not. Yeah, it is. We're very, wide open, by the way. Please call Sean. Yeah, <laughs> but it's you know as a as an artist, you know, I was feeling again like we're going back like later in my you know getting older, and I felt like I was feeling very stagnant, and I wanted to to push my vocals further. And I don't think there's any place further that you can go than trying to sing these songs. And, you know, I am just a saloon singer. I am just a blues rock singer. But, you know, these songs and trying to pay tribute to them and, and, and teaching myself, like, I mean, th- this is mainly like my, my sister's world is like all about the jazz and everything. But mm-hmm. I just I was feeling uninspired. And, and I've also I thought that the times we were living with Trump and, and all this hate and everything. And there was something about the. The, the simpleness of just these old time love songs that I was just craving. Like, I just want to sing this. I just want to be transplanted back in the day when, when it was just these songs and, 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 and this, and just singing about love, you know, or, or heartache. And, and also just to teach myself, you know, to sing a little bit, you know, differently. And it's, and it's, I mean, even like Wednesday, I was still, I, I, I can pretty much, you know, I don't say that I, I rehearse a lot, but I, can step on stage and feel a certain amount of confidence like okay i can wing this even if i don't remember or what i can do this but at the dakota doing these songs all of a sudden i'm i'm halfway through i'm like god damn it why didn't i listen to this a little bit more i'm like shit how do we end this i'm like oh, oh my god i mean the stuff that i pull out just to like oh geez anyway um that, that still has to be it. part of the reason why you do it though right yeah. i mean like it's as an artist you have to you know and by the way Nice try. And I do appreciate humility more than almost any other human trait. No one thinks of you as a blues singer or a saloon singer. Fine. All right. You cut your teeth there. There's no question that you cut your teeth there. And it's it's where you got your chops up and it's where you had to grind the hardest. But nobody buys that that's what you are, that you're a saloon singer. You clearly have an aptitude and acumen well outside of that. But, I mean, getting up there and being a little frightened, right? Like, I mean, throughout my entire professional career, every time I was asked to do something that I was certain I could not do, I said yes. Because I'm like, worst thing that can happen is I'm going to fail. And what if I actually do it? Yeah. And way more times than not, I do it. So when you're up there on stage and you have that oh shit moment, I mean, that's that adrenaline. That I mean, you're alive, right? Oh, it's, yeah. it's your thing. And then suddenly you really have to find out what the hell you're made of. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. exciting to me. Yeah, it really Even is. hearing about it, that's exciting. <laughs> I love it. So you're doing it again this weekend. Um, this is going to publish today, which is Friday, October 29th. And that means that, is it tonight and tomorrow night that you're at the Astor? Um, no, Saturday and Sunday. Saturday and oh, Halloween? And I know. Saturday's I know, sold it's out. Kinda weird. Are there are still seats open for Sunday? I think there are still seats open okay. for Sunday, yeah. Great. Okay, very but good. But it's, it's great. I mean, I, I do a whole different gamut of like uh, you know, cover songs to you know I've even attempted you know I've done like even some of the jazz stuff that that uh, you know and you know some of my stuff and then you know it's just a chance to tell the stories you know about where the songs came from and everything and it's I, I've come to really love these shows that they asked her because they, they're really kind of a special intimate kind of storytelling song singing type of thing so it's it's very cool well and that's great for fans too i mean that's what people want right yeah. i mean you know you have the amount of charisma that's necessary to be able to man i'm telling you in between song banter has ruined so many shows but i feel like you are good at storytelling you're great at performance and it, it's a very intimate place so that that's going to be absolutely fantastic what does 
the rest of, I know there's not a whole lot left of 2021, but I mean, as you look at what you're doing now, you're back here for a few shows right now. You've got a glorious, dare I say, idyllic family life out on the West Coast. <laughs> yes. Um, you know, and we're slowly coming out of pandemic, might have to creep back into it. Who knows what the immediate future holds. But what does the immediate and maybe not so immediate future hold for you? Because everybody, even if it's not a project I'm working hard on right now, we think about things. We dream about things. We imagine things, right? Yeah. What are you imagining for yourself over the next few years? Oh, my gosh. I mean, I'm, again, we're not having a therapy session. <laughs> right. No, I know. I, I, just, I, wonder, <laughs> I mean, like, you know, if you're going to get into... this whole building is pretty much all therapists and then our <laughs> office. That's true. We, we, and this is therapy in its own right yeah, um, just a little louder than most of the other offices <laughs> up and down the hall um but i mean like you know if you're going to start throwing pots or if you have dreams for your kids or if there's another type of music you want to try i mean we we all sort of even if it's in the vaguest terms think about the future yeah. what do you think about tina's future you know i well i do i want my kids my kids right now um our daughter is in law school and she's in her second year and she's doing extremely well she's finding herself she finally you know she's feeling good so that's feels great still our son is you know he's getting there and i just want him for the next couple of years just keep on this path where he's at and uh um and i think for me musically i just want to just there's so much more songs to sing and discover and and you know i was saying earlier we're working on um you know and it might you know you're hearing it here first but like a little you know, all female super group, Minneapolis super group with Molly Mayer and a few other love women that you guys would know that yep, um, know I'm well. listening. We're, we're, I am listening. We're creating some, we're, we're creating some really cool, cool stuff. I don't want to get too excited, but oh, no. we're just going to let it grow hey, and look, see what happens. Even if and, nothing else ever happens, the fact that it's making you get that feel in your stomach yeah. where it's like, if it does happen, cool. And we've already had a good time, but then imagine if it actually happened. Yeah. Look, look on your face I know, right I now. Am. You look giddy. Because we did, we, this, this, I mean, we just wrote these two songs last night in a little kind of impromptu jams thing and they're just really, really fucking cool. Wow. I don't know. I'm excited. So we'll see what happens. And then I just, also I just want to do, you know, I want to, you know, do another solo record sometime soon and right. um just you know i'm kind of just mulling it over i'm just seeing what's happening so yeah what's ground zero for people to stay up on top of what you're doing oh my gosh uh my website tina tina com. all right that very would be good the, the best and are you active on instagram twitter yes yeah okay so, so people yep. can stay on top of what you're doing there as yep. well tina Chalesky, um on instagram facebook i kind of just use it for my letting people know about shows but I got that's just like ugh, so like, done with it yeah. uh, I, by the way I, after did you watch Zuckerberg's video about the fact that he's changing the name of the company to Meta, to Meta? Oh, honest yeah. to God I that guy I don't think he's still Mark Zuckerberg I think he was replaced by some sort of smooth skin Frankenstein android <laughs> years right. ago right. he doesn't look like a human being no. he looks yeah. like a reptilian shapeshifter yeah. there's something yeah. wrong there yeah and I, it's not ju- money changes people mm. for sure but there's sort of a thousand yard stare. Yes. I too am a fellow human who enjoys interacting with other humans. Yeah. There's something going on there. I know. Yeah. And I, again, I'm not trying to judge others because I know I'm far from perfect. That guy's fucking weird. I yeah. Say that <laughs> shit right now. It's okay to call it out. Before, before we wrap things up and actually hear a live song because Tina's been sitting with that guitar on her lap for <laughs> over okay. an hour now. I feel comfortable uh, this way. I know you do, but I, I, I'm dying to hear some music and to hear you sing right here in the Smart Start MN studio. I do got to thank Smart Start MN. I need to thank the good people at Forgotten Star Brewing. ForgottenStarBrewing.com. Palmer's Bar. You can find them at palmersbar.net. Thank you, Sean Bernard. Thank you, Brian. Oak. You are more than welcome. 
Also, thanks to Audio Equip, who have provided us with all this fine audio equipment. And thanks to all of our Patreon supporters. You also helped get us off the ground. And we are going to be returning that kindness in the next couple of weeks. Stay tuned uh, over the next couple of episodes as we finalize, finish formulating, and uh, the plans for our two-year anniversary coalesce because we'll have something very special in store for you coming up in just a few short weeks. Thanks for tuning in to episode 198. Now, Tina, you, um, again, the two shows at the Astor might be a few tickets left for Halloween night. Thank you for coming in. This has been delightful. Oh my gosh, thank you. I mean, I was so happy when Sean reached out. I just, I, I'm, you know, it's always, it's, it's so nice to be wanted. Yeah. Well, which, and again, as we talked about a little bit before the mics were turned on, you know, I mean, you with your history in this town, this is your home, right? I yeah. mean, this is where you're from, but also fans, podcasters, whoever the case may be, when word gets out that you're in town, I mean, do you get to breathe at all, or are you literally bouncing from place to person to place to person, just a nonstop the whole time you're here? You know, I've learned I've learned to have a really good, pretty good balance about it all. You know, I'll pick and choose like things. I think now it's like I just do stuff that makes me that I want to do that makes me feel good. I don't have to like do everything. You know what I mean? It's Isn't just that like, the single best part of getting older? Yes, I, it really is. I, I got to be honest. Like <laughs> yeah. when I was younger, I tried to do it all, and now as I get older, I'm like, you know what? If I go home tonight on a Friday and I'm laying on the couch with my cats at 7 p.m. watching Ancient Aliens, I'm fucking winning. Yeah. I'm winning. I'm right there with you. I am right there with you. Totally. I want to say thank you to you, too, for all the work you've done uh, to different causes for young women and that sort of thing. Oh. California. And, and uh, I just would we'd be remiss in not mentioning that there's been so much good work that you've done oh, thank beyond you. just putting your music out there, which heals people and gives them peace. You've done so much work uh, to help other people oh. and other people that are going through their own shit uh, at different times in their life. So thank you for that. Oh, thank you. you bet. Thank you. I got to hear this song. That's the whole reason why I tricked her into coming in I know. And you, I mean, yeah, when I heard it, I'm like, she's really going to bring her guitar? Okay, cool. I'm let's like, do blah, this. blah, 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 play the song. Wow. <laughs> I'm just um, In all sincerity, though, we are going to wrap up. The yeah. second this song is over, it's the last anyone's going to hear. So thank you very much for coming. Oh. No, not ever of all time, but I mean of this particular podcast. <laughs> it's like, man, 198 it is, I guess. Uh, uh, listen, guy. No, there's more to come. Uh, but that'll be it for this particular show. But Tina, it's great to see you. And good luck with everything. Oh. And... Um, Let's all hope for a better 2022, all right? Yes, yes, let's do that. And thank you so much, Brian, for having me. And Sean, thank you so much. This has been great. Gladly. So tell us about this song and then at your leisure. All right. So this is a a new song. I wasn't sure what I wanted to do, but I just, I wrote this one not too, not too long ago. And um, we were talking about, you know, at the end of the segment before we were talking about death and... (laughs) And all that, and oddly enough, this is song is kind of it is about death. It's Ooh. it's it's about like keeping those pieces of people like you know say their name like always you know they'll they'll never dis it you know mm. they're they're always with you always. So this song is called Gather. <laughs> Take all the love that you've ever known. Keep it with you, let it guide you home And the pieces that you leave behind I will gather When the storms have come but you feel your doubt Your righteous heart has left you so worn out And the strength that you leave behind I will gather 
we gather like dust in the ether, I'll keep a part of you always tethered to me. You'll see, I'll be a keeper. When the storms have come, but you feel your doubt. Your righteous heart has left you so worn out And the pieces that you leave behind I will gather When the time has come to say goodbye We'll meet again in the sweet by and by And the flowers that they leave behind I will gather As we gather like dust in the ether I'll keep a part of you always tethered to me You'll see I'll be a keeper I'll be a keeper I'll be a keeper I'll be a Take all the love that you've ever known Keep it with you, let it guide you home And the pieces that you leave behind I will gather As we gather like dust in the ether Gather for me. I will gather for you. You will gather. For